Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Graham, Managing Editor of NHJournal.com. The award-winning, literally, we won Best Political Reporting from the New Hampshire Press Association, the award-winning news site bringing you news and stories uh, other media outlets won't bring you. Uh, special thanks to my friend, Dr. Bruce Houghton at PerfectSmiles.com in Nashua, who not only gives me my perfect smile, but is a sponsor of the podcast and a terrific conversation coming up with House Majority Leader Jason Osborne. Yes, that Jason Osborne. And yes, of course, we're going to talk about Twitter and all that stuff. It's a terrific conversation you don't want to miss. One thing, though, I just want to uh, to mention, there's a piece up at NHJournal.com that I really recommend to you about the state of polling and uh, majority leader and I cover this somewhat, so I'm not going to rehash everything, but there are astonishing numbers in this series of polls that came out this week. It was uh, Harvard Harris. It was Monmouth. It was civics, uh, the YouGov. And what do all four of those pollsters have in common? They are all either friendly to Democrats or uh, unfriendly to Republicans or both. They, these, this is not, you know, some people say, uh, Rasmussen Research is biased, whatever. Actually, Scott Rasmussen, the pollster, who he may have gotten out of the business, after that break, whatever they had, his polling was very reliable. Uh, but he, but anyway, my point is people say, you know, pollsters have biases and there's Republican, Democrat. None of these were Republican and they all showed the same thing. First of all, numbers I've never seen for an incumbent president. It's official Democrats. Sorry, nothing personal. Joe Biden is the most unpopular president at this point in his presidency since we've done modern polling. More unpopular than Trump? Absolutely. That's right. People liked Donald Trump more than they liked Joe Biden. People liked Jimmy Carter more than they liked Joe Biden at this point in his presidency. Joe Biden in the civics poll this week, 30% approval. He's underwater 28 points, 30 to 58. I've never seen that. I've never, I mean, okay, I take it back. You see it at moments of scandal. You see it at, you know, you know, at some extreme moment, but you don't see it at just, you know, not great leadership. And uh, the number one reason when people are asked, you say you have a, you disapprove of how he's doing his job. What is your reason? The, the number one answer given, not he's a Democrat or, you know, Hunter Biden, whatever. It's he sucks. 41%. He's not good at his job. And this is just... True. I mean, this is how the, the voters feel. Now, uh, it may be that things are going better than that, as the White House alleges, and the economy's great, and people are happy they just don't know it. I don't know. I can, all I can tell you is what the data show. And, you know, I, polls, polling is screwed up, no doubt about it. Polling has problems, sampling problems. There are people who screwed the polls on purpose. But there is no modern polling problem of Democrats under polling. You tell me a Republican's at 30%. I'm guessing he's probably at 33, 34, maybe 35%. First of all, I can't believe anyone's at 30% because we're a 50-50 country. 35% are on either. You just don't get below 35%. You don't. Congratulations, Joe Biden. You did it. Uh, but the my point is, if the Biden numbers are wrong, the real numbers are worse. Trump's numbers were wrong. The real numbers were better because people didn't want to admit that they like Trump. Biden's numbers worse because people are saying they like him who really don't because he's a Democrat. And that's how, for whatever reason, for all sorts of reasons, that's how things work in politics. The other number that I really would urge Democrats to look at are the abortion numbers. Every time you hear Senator 
Shaheen or Senator Hassan or someone else say that they're voting to codify Roe, you need to know that what they're saying is not true. And by not true, I don't want to be mean-spirited or anything. What I'm trying to say is that they're lying. I mean, they're shamelessly lying. The, we've written about this in nhjournal.com. We've shown you the, uh, the legislation. But that, by the way, the Senate and House have already voted on twice. Uh, Manchin stopped it from passing in the Senate, but twice now, Senator Hassan has voted for legislation that they say would codify, codify Roe. That is, is a lie. Roe allowed states to ban late-term abortions, as New Hampshire has done. The legislation they passed would not allow that. In fact, the legislation that Senator Hassan supports would allow sex selection abortions in the third trimester. You could decide at month seven, I want a boy, and it's a girl, and you could get an abortion. That would be legal. It would be a crime in most Western civilized countries like France, where they have a 14 week abortion limit, but that's what they voted for. So they're not telling you the truth when they say they're just voting to codify Roe. Every time you hear someone say that you should ask them. So you support third term, uh, bans like New Hampshire has, because that's what codifying Roe is. They don't support that. Uh, but this other point is the numbers on how people view abortion Absolutely, people say repeatedly, I don't want Roe versus Wade to be overturned. But the problem is that most people think Roe versus Wade is the, the option is that or banning all abortions, which is why so many people right now are confused because they, they're they looking for the banned abortions. People in Massachusetts are looking for some place to protest, but they can't because Massachusetts has almost no restrictions on abortion because Roe, ending Roe versus Wade didn't ban abortion. It did nothing to abortion. It literally did nothing. It said it's up to the states. Do what you want. Um. So when you ask people, okay, how do you feel about X, Y, and Z? 72% of Americans support more restrictions than New Hampshire has right now. Let me say that again. 72% of Americans support more restrictions than New Hampshire has right now. And Representative Pappas, Senator Custer, uh, Representative Custer, and the entire House and Senate delegation at the state level are running against those 72%. They're running on behalf of the 10% who want to end all restrictions. And so that's the math, 72 to 10. So I'm just suggesting you do the math because I believe in data. You know who else who believes in data, in science? Dr. Bruce Houghton at Perfect Smiles in Nashua. PerfectSmiles.com on the web. You can see these cool videos. I'm in one of them of happy, satisfied customers. The great smile he gave me. What I like about Dr. Bruce, he got through the entire COVID pandemic and as far as the office knows, and dental offices track this stuff, medical stuff track this stuff, no transmission. That's how careful they were uh, during COVID. They were still able to care for patients. They just stepped up the tech and did all, and I can't explain what they did. He explained it to me and I might, I got a headache. But the point is, Dr. Bruce is always at the cutting edge of what you can do for your perfect smile. So maybe you talk to a dentist and they said, yes, we can do this. And you're like, ooh, that doesn't sound good. And you saw the photos, you're like, ooh, that didn't look good. And then they gave you the price, you're like, ooh, that definitely doesn't look good. Just talk to Dr. Bruce. Talk to Dr. Bruce at PerfectSmiles.com. He'll show you the latest thing that tech can do, how you can have your per perfect smile, how you can afford it. Just talk to Dr. Bruce. He's on the web at PerfectSmiles.com. Now, I'm going to talk to House Majority Leader Jason Osborne. So please welcome the most controversial figure in New Hampshire politics at the moment, which, by the way, in about seven minutes, someone will no doubt blow past him, such being the nature of New Hampshire politics. House Majority Leader Jason Osborne. Uh, Majority Leader, welcome. Hey, thanks for having me. I certainly hope someone blows past me. I'm kind of a boring guy to be so controversial. And yet you are surrounded 
You're a mid, you, you were trending on Twitter, something that lowly media flax like myself begged to have happen. And it happened to you. I saw it with my own eyes. Yeah, I got to tell you, I wouldn't wish that on anybody. <laughs> it, it wasn't a whole lot of fun. Yeah. I, um, well, listen, we got a ton of stuff to talk about, sure. including big picture stuff about which direction the House majority is going to take going forward and how the uh, elections look for November, actually the primaries in November. But first, let's just get this Twitter stuff out of the way. So sure. uh, you had a, a private Twitter account for a long time that just meant that you it was just for you and people you yeah. wanted to hang well, out I with. mean yeah so if you, if you go back in time far enough it didn't used to be a private Twitter account um, but a couple of years ago uh, these Democrats uh, tried getting my account suspended so I said well enough of that I'll just I'll just protect the account and just let my friends in there and I know why it was uh, uh, protected since I came to NH Journal because we were trying to see what you're up to and you you, we were we were protected <laughs> out, but fortunately, you have friends close to you who are rats, and they would occasionally, you know, screen capture something clever you'd said and send it over to us. And yeah, then you, and then you decided, I, I might I might also strategically leak something once. Well, in a while I, I will neither yeah. confirm nor deny. But then you <laughs> you foolishly decided to jump into the Twitter pond with the rest of us, you know, peons, us, you know, mere mortals. Yeah, you, I, you, I, you I let myself the screen get, back. Why yeah, did you do that? I, well, I let myself get goaded into it. I, I confess. Uh, I got a little tired of these Democrats out there complaining that my my tweets were hidden. And I <laughs> so look wait, wait, at him. The same Democrats said, who are trying to get you kicked off were complaining. That I know. You were I, I, gone. I give them I give them the benefit of the doubt, though. You know, maybe they didn't remember from two years ago. <laughs> and uh, so I said, "All right, I'll, I'll give it another try." You've got the whole Elon thing going on. I thought maybe right. you know it's a new, it's the dawn of a new age. Maybe maybe this platform will be uh more free speech oriented now so within two weeks though uh my account got shut down <laughs> so, so um i was able to get back in and now i just i just set it back to private again and you know it's just not it's not worth the hassle of uh trying to deal with uh with people trying to get my account suspended all the time and a tweet of yours made the news uh the folks at in-depth nh which is uh the, if, you uh, call, if, you call, if you call that the news, you I know. call them the news because <laughs> they present content and some of it is reported and some of it is an opinion. Um, and uh, they have that they are funded by a George Soros organization that funds news outlets. And they have reporters who are funded by uh, a Washington group of liberals who place liberal reporters in small communities like New Hampshire in order to influence our politics. So I think it's totally yep. legit call them news in other words they're what the new york times is uh and you said uh instead of spending 20 dollars more than last year on your independence day hot dogs lay off the calories and grab a few more rounds for your ak-47 you'll thank yourself later uh, right now try, try, yeah try try to push as many buttons with one sentence as possible right <laughs> that's that's so what you, that sounds you, like it sounds you, like an you, impolitic you, statement made by some you know mouthy talk host at, like i used to be now i'm of course the the picture of virtue and, and solemnity. Uh, and, uh, but that's what you tweeted. And then a few hours later, the shooting happened at the, uh, at the parade in Illinois. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Was, yeah. The next day, I think. Yeah. The next day or the next morning, whatever. But the point is yeah. you tweeted this before because there's been an attempt to try to po posture this as, something you tweeted after oh yeah yeah people horror. yeah people say all kinds of just really nasty things uh, uh, they'll say that uh you know i i i caused this uh, shooter to uh, to go on his rampage 
and uh it's just just really sick where these people's minds goes you know and so you know what i don't i don't wake up in the morning and check the news to figure out what i'm allowed to say on a given day or what i need to retract from the previous day mm-hmm. you know it, it, i'm sorry people get shot every single day in this world and it's uh it's it's very sad every single time but uh that that doesn't mean that we don't talk about things that need to be talked about do you uh separate from the shooting let's set that issue aside because that does add a different you know context you know i mean it's it's you know the fact is events happen you know jokes about airplanes and hijacking that were funny on 9-10 were no longer funny on 9-11 not because the people telling the jokes were bad but just because the circumstances have changed so let's set aside that kind of yeah, you know, I, I, I would t- I would take you another step further. Uh, it, it's, it's more like making a joke about you know an airplane, right? Not yeah. not not a hijacking. Well, the the point is the point is I want I want to move I want to ask you a question that has nothing to do with the horrific uh, shooting. I want to ask you a question about the tweet in and of itself, mm-hmm. which is as the House Majority Leader who has the job of both trying to create and hold majorities to pass legislation, which, which is a task of politics. And based on the emails that I see of the fundraising and stuff that the house is doing, trying to bring people on board, get them to donate to the cause, maybe get them to leave the democratic you know, party as a voter and come vote Republican. Do you regret this tweet? Uh, no, I, I don't, I don't regret anything. Right? Well, then how um, do you reconcile your job as vote getter and majority grower with comms like this that you know are going that many people are going to find off-putting well uh so you, here's how you know right is look at who's doing the the tweeting and the and, and the uh causing the hubbaloo mm-hmm. there is no, none of the new hampshire democrat leadership is getting themselves involved in it you know why because this is a loser issue for them they know that trying to go against the Second Amendment is uh, not going to do them any good. So that, uh, that's why most of what you see is just out-of-state uh, Bloomberg activists, uh, you know, causing the stir. So I, I, I have no problem doubling and tripling down on the Second Amendment all, all day long, and uh, that's only going to do good for Republicans. Oh. So there are people who uh, want to see the Republican Party prosper in New Hampshire, who are talking amongst themselves and asking, given the um, uh, the makeup of the state where suburban voters play a, a key role. You, some people, you know, mock New Hampshire as you know basically a bedroom community with a you know big backyard called the North Country. There's a question about whether your uh, approach, more libertarian, more 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 of a appeal to Michael Graham, maybe approach, is the best way to reach these voters. That you're not the best, uh, you know, you're not the guy on the team that people would send out to recruit players. What, what do you, what do you say to criticism like that? Well, you have to uh, take a different approach with different kinds of people, right? Um, right. Uh, if, if, if you look at the record of what we've accomplished, um, I don't think you could in any way characterize it as libertarian. Mm-hmm. Uh, we brought uh, every single uh, corner of the Republican Party together, and we, we had to because of our slim majority. Right. 
and we got uh, every single kind of Republican rowing in the same direction. And uh, so I, I think I'm, I've proven that I am the guy to, to do that and not that, you know, someone else couldn't do it or right. maybe someone else could do it better. Uh, but uh, I, I think I, I, I feel like I know what my job is and I've, I've done it pretty decently. When you're out talking to uh, voters, whether the Republican voters or just average folks you're running around and bumping into them and talking what's going on. Uh, what's the message that you think they want? What kind of Republican party do you think the voters want from you guys? Do you think they want a, you know, uh, you know, business oriented, you know, country club. I don't want to say that in a demeaning way, but you know, a more focus on taxes, focus on fiscal, don't mess with this other stuff. Or do they want a, you know, let's put a two week, you know, limit on abortion and let's, you know, mandatory gun ownership for every citizen. Where, where do you think the voters want your house caucus to be? Well, look, man, there, there are as many different kinds of Republicans as there are Republicans in this, uh, in this <laughs> state, right? So there's not, there's not one thing that everyone wants Republicans to be. So that, that's sure. why it's a matter of trying to be as many of those things to as many people at the same time as possible and trying to figure out where the intersection of all that is because you, you can't please everyone like you, like you you can't please the pro-choice and the pro-life people at the sure. same time but what you can do is try to nail down a compromise which is exactly what we did right. uh, in the past two years and you know and it's fascinating too because democrats uh just to take that issue for example abortion they don't have that problem because every democrat in the house representatives voted for no limits on abortion yeah. A position that's shared by only 10% of the voters. In fact, a new poll out this week shows that 72% of Americans support a, a uh, they think they think 24 weeks is too long. They would support a 15 week window of, of unlimited abortion. As long as you have an exception if for the, for the health of the mother, if you know, later in the pregnancy, the, the mother's life is at risk. As long as you have that exception, they're like, hey, 15 weeks is plenty. But they don't have to negotiate because they don't allow diversity. So as long as you ban all diversity, you're in great shape. Right. So and did that did that change at some point? Because it sure seems to me if you go back far enough in time that uh, Democrats used to not be like that. I mean, in fact, I mean, what, didn't they have a slogan that went along something like, uh, you know, safer, safe, legal and rarer rare and legal? Yeah. I mean, I think that's where the majority of the Republican Party is at this point. Uh, what, what in the world has made the Democrats go so far over the edge, uh, you know, demanding, you know, up to the day of birth abortions? Well, it, but it for example, there's one, there's one pro-life member of Congress left who's a Democrat at the national level. Uh, he was just reelected in a, or excuse me, just won a primary that he had to go to a runoff on. And the members of his own party tried to get rid of him because he's pro-life. They tried to throw him out. You may remember a House member, Charlene Lovett from Claremont, mm -hmm. who voted consistently on behalf of pro-life, pro-Second Amendment, uh, pro-school choice positions. She's running for state Senate this time as a Democrat, and she has had to publicly renounce all of those positions. She can't run as a pro-life Democrat because the party won't. Supporter, they won't. They 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 won't. Uh, they won't back her. 
Right. So that's, you know, why, why don't you have that control of your caucus? <laughs> yeah. Majority leader. Well, uh, what kind it, of majority leader are you anyway? Letting some pro-choice Republicans and pro-life Republicans debate things. That's just crazy talk. Yeah. I mean, I, mean, I, I could be like that and then we'd have fewer Republicans uh, and then, and then where would we be? I mean, right. my, my, my hope is that this approach of bringing people together one day can actually extend across the aisle and we can bring the Democrats into the conversation as well. Okay. So uh, give me I an mean, example, give me an example of an issue that you scratch your head over saying, come on, you know, I know we're not going to get, uh, you know, hundred percent because you can't even get hundred percent of your own caucus on stuff, yeah. but there are definitely some positions where 80% of the Republican caucus and 30% of the democratic caucus at least could definitely get something done together. What, what's an issue that's in there? Sure. Well, right. we did see that with uh, with the bail issue this year, mm -hmm. right? There, there was a, a very bipartisan coalition that was formed uh, in order to pass the uh, the bill that we did that ended up getting you know killed in the Senate. Um, so explain, uh, explain what that bail law did. Yeah, that's a good question. It, that, that was outside of my uh, well, I mean, it was, uh, a, it was an attempt to address what some people believe was too things went too far when it came to letting people uh, who had been arrested for crimes and were facing charges out, you know, despite despite their background. There were people who the majority of the House believed should. Yeah, you, you probably need some bail. You probably, we probably need a way to maybe detain you based on your criminal record. Right. And so without being specific about what the policy exactly. was of that legislation, just tightening things up. Know. Yes. Uh, yes. Not, not letting people out quite so easily. Yeah, which, by the way, I, I, and, over and and over by I have no problem with. I mean, that's one of the things that I'm frustrated by with legislatures uh, generally across the country at the state level is we want more people to try more things. If it's reasonable, you know, not obviously not you know, free cocaine with every breakfast cereal, Ooh. but, you know, try something like we want to loosen bail up. We don't like the idea that low income folks who make a mistake, get drunk on a Saturday night, you know, lose a job because they can't get it. So you want to you want to find the sweet spot. You try to spot that wasn't the sweet spot. So you come back and you try another spot. That's that's a good thing. You learn over time and you end up with a better law because you debate, you try, you debate and you try again. Sure, that's a, should be how it goes, but it rarely does. No, and, and I got to tell you, I mean, go go back to the abortion thing again. Like that's the one that really just baffles me. Why in the world uh, the Democrats wouldn't be all on board with the uh, the compromise that we made and just be content to stick with that for the next you know twenty years? And yet, uh, almost assuredly, abortion is going to be an issue that works against. Uh, Republicans in November, um, not much based on I, the polling data that's coming out. Yeah, but uh, I don't, I don't think so. Not, not if we do our job right. No, I think it will for for one simple reason, which is that there are low motivation voters who don't tend to turn out in midterms, and this is one of the few issues that will move some, not huge numbers, but you know, you, if you had a race that was going to come down to fifty votes, ab those fifty votes could absolutely be single women under thirty five or college-educated uh, suburban women who could make the difference. And their turnout is probably going to be higher, whether it's 1% or 4% or 5%, because of the Roe decision, I think, without a doubt. I mean, that, that's, that seems to be what the data is showing up. Now, in a huge, if we get the red wave we're looking at, then that, 
that that couple percent is not going to make any difference. I got to be honest with you, uh, Majority Leader. You you know legislation and the process. I don't. I vaguely understand it, but I do know politics a little bit, having covered mm -hmm. it my entire life and worked in campaigns. I've never seen polling like this. I've never seen. 88% of Americans saying we're on the wrong track. What do Democrats, whether they're running for state uh, state rep or for Congress or for U.S. Senate, what do they say when voters say, we hate the way things are going. Why would we give you two more years? We hate it. 80 to 10. We hate what you're doing. What uh, all, do you I, uh, all I see is whitewashing going on. Um, just denying the reality. Saying, oh, the, the economy is, is great. It's it's growing more than we've ever seen. Wait, it wait, before. wait. Who is so insane that they would? Oh, never mind. When we look at where we are economically, and we are in a strong, uh, we are stronger economically than we have been uh, in history. So, what do you hear Democrats saying here in New Hampshire about you know you've got a governor who's overseeing the fastest growing economy in the country, who's overseeing one of the states that's not losing population in New England. That's overseeing one of the freest states in the country with one lowest crime rates, one of the lowest in the country. Mm -hmm. Why? I mean, even if you hated the guy, why would you fire him? No, they, they want to hang their hats on on abortion and guns. And from my perspective, I say, let them. You uh, think they're both losers. I think guns are definitely losers. And, you know, they know it, too, based on their behavior. Uh, the abortion piece, I think uh, they think they can they can pull something out of it. Um, that's why I think it's important for us to do our job and make sure they don't, because um, as, as long as the people understand what we did and that we're not going to do anything more, mm -hmm. um, the, 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 the voters are going to be on our side. So the argument goes like this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Majority leader Osborne, he says that because he's kind of a libertarian leaning guy and he doesn't want to push harder on this. But part of the Republican coalition are social conservatives and they do want to push harder on this. Sure. And so it doesn't matter what he says. They are still going to line up. If you send um, supermajority Republicans to the legislature in 2023, those social conservatives are going to line up and they're going to turn that from a 24 week to a 15 week to a 10 week to a you know, whatever, you know, uh, self-abuse is illegal. Yeah. I mean, that's why we have a, a, a giant legislature of 400 people, right? They're, everyone's going to have their own idea. And some of those people are going to have the idea uh, to produce more restrictions. And it's going to be up to the rest of us to hold the line with uh, what we said we were going to do. Um, you have an entire another chamber of the legislature as well um as a stop gap and then you have a governor who you know isn't gonna sign anything so i i if i am them i am so not actually worried about this issue but i will try to use it as a um leverage uh for votes sure. and it, it's just kind of it, it's transparently cynical and i it, it's it's just sad to see uh, I, so I will tell you that what I'm hearing off the record from folks in the social conservative community is that they know this is a smart time to keep their heads down and that their focus is on protecting the gains. In other words, making sure that there's enough Republicans left, that there's no rolling back that you know uh, late term abortion ban and getting rid of it as Democrats want to do. They are not talking about advancing, at least once again, this is in their private conversations. They're more political you know, conversations uh, about. Yes, yeah, no, no, I, I, I'm, I'm, again, I, I'm not going to deny that there are going to be a, some who will. 
but the the ones who are of note like you know cornerstone for example i mean they're they are they are all about holding the line with uh with with what we have already accomplished and what's well, it fascinating because i heard senator regina birdsell on the drew klein radio show but which is why i also heard you by the way mm-hmm. uh and she said the same thing which is we're not moving the line i would move it if i could but there aren't the votes so yeah. we're not going to move it and well that's, and that's I, I, would, I would go a step further and say like it, it has nothing to, especially an issue like this that's so like deeply held by everybody in a different way it's not about having the votes in the legislature. It's it's about delivering to the people what they expect. Right. Right. This this is a policy that you cannot implement without the overwhelming support of the people. Right. You you you, you try to ram something through on a right. on a very marginal uh, support, and it's gonna it's just it's going to go extremely poorly. Okay, so that's enough conversation about an issue that repeatedly polls at 5%. Uh, Three new polls out this week, all that show abortion is in low single digits. Four of the top five issues are in in, across the board, inflation, uh, gas prices, crime, immigration, uh, all four of which, of course, redound to the Republicans' benefit. So that's enough on that. I want to ask you about one more thing before I let you Mm -hmm. go, which is the um, energy issue. And folks who listen to this uh, podcast know that it's what this has been a head scratcher for me, partially because where I grew up, I grew up in the rural South where, you know, we didn't have a lot of electricity because we didn't need, no, I'm kidding. But uh, <laughs> well, actually, no, my dad grew up in such a rural spot. They didn't have electricity until he was a teenager. Um, but uh, we, you know, it was electric co-op, super cheap. You know, we, we, you know, in the summer times we cranked the AC 24 seven because you had to but it was just super cheap electricity. And I came here and looked when I moved to new England in 2005, it was high. When I moved to New Hampshire, it was like, Holy crap. high. And I'm asking myself, where are, where, where is the pipeline politics? If I were running, if I had my good old days of campaigns, if I were representing a state Senator or an executive counselor, or maybe in a house member who had a district where people were still burning oil out of a truck that had to drive to their house and fill it up a tank. I mean, I'm sorry, did the 1930s call and ask for their technology back? <laughs> My, I would be campaigning on the, I'm bringing you a pipeline. We are gonna get a pipeline and everyone who doesn't want cheap natural gas brought right to their doorstep, then vote for somebody else. Cause I'm gonna cut your costs by a third. I'm gonna cut your carbon emissions by 20, by 80%. And I'm going to cut out the stupid trucks driving to your house. We are going to get us some natural gas. I, I, I don't know why there's not a whole wave of that. And of course, now you could add the second thing, which is, and we'll have those pipelines of natural gas that can feed local power facilities that will be able to generate power much more cheaply because right now in, in Appalachia, they are paying 25% of the price for their natural mm. gas that we are paying for ours to create electricity and for one reason pipelines period they've got the gas they could pump it out toby rice who runs the biggest natural gas producing company in the country said just this past weekend i feel terrible for the people of new england they're getting screwed by politicians i could i got the tech to dig it out i just can't don't have a pipe to put it in so i can't dig it out yeah I got why don't so- you guys you never talk about this 
Well, never. We, we, we certainly have in the past. No, you haven't. It, Republicans it, have never campaigned on this issue since I've been here. Not one time. I've never seen a press event. I've never seen a, a, a press release. Nothing. You guys don't talk about this. All right. So this is another one of those issues that you can't do by yourself without the support of the people. Right. We, we have a problem in New Hampshire that uh, you could only really characterize as nimbyism. Right. And this applies to the pipeline issue. This uh, applies to the Northern Pass. This applies to our housing crisis. Uh, there are a number of issues that could be solved if, uh, you know, people were interested in allowing it to happen. So, yes. So you think uh, if you told people you'll never have another dirty furnace and you'll never have to pay oil prices, yeah. which, by the way, are about to hit a record because production is being cut back for home heating oil to meet the demand for diesel fuel. So when they get home heating bill, that's three times what it was. You don't think they'll agree. Yeah. Maybe we need us some pipelines up here. No, but you, you're exactly right. So some, sometimes uh, you have to hit rock bottom, right? Before you, uh, <laughs> before you reform. And when people realize that the consequences of what they demanded from us are that, you know, their cost of heating their home is uh, five times what it should rightfully be. Uh, they may reconsider uh, the idea of having that pipeline run through their uh, neck of the woods. By the way, for those who don't know, NIMBY stands for no, I haven't made beer yet. <laughs> uh, no, wait, that's not right. Beer, my, I've never, I, I don't know, not in my backyard. Well, listen, uh, well, you got to get back to your, I no doubt I'm interrupting you as you're mowing the lawn and you're idyllic surroundings you know the, the the birds are chirping the flowers are growing and you're out raking the backyard and enjoying a nice brisk lemonade so i'll let you get back to your idyllic new hampshire lifestyle i will do that and thank you very much and talk to you again soon stay off twitter uh you know what i will that by the way that's not my advice for you that's my advice for everybody it's a hellscape <laughs> stay it, off it is twitter. it is a cesspool I, I encourage everyone to stay off as well thanks again to the house majority leader and a reminder to every elected official in New Hampshire, including Senator Hassan, Senator Shaheen, uh, Representatives Pappas and Custer, who we have repeatedly invited and repeatedly reached out to, you are welcome on the podcast anytime. I would love to talk to you about how you think things are going, about why 88% of Americans think the country's going on the wrong track under Democratic leadership. Love to talk about all that or anything else you'd like to. And of course, I'm always delighted to hear from you. You can email news at insidesources.com. That's news at insidesources.com. And if you like this podcast and you like the newsletter and you're glad it's here and you've got an independent voice in New Hampshire, we take money. So whether you have something you like to advertise, a cause that you want to care about, or you'd like to subscribe to our free newsletter, how do you subscribe to a free newsletter? We figured it out. $4.99 a month, and you can just go to nhjournal.com, and you can see the bottom at the button at the bottom, support NH Journal, or just look for a reminder in the NH Journal newsletter. If you don't go to get the newsletter, just go to nhjournal.com, and at the top of the page, there's a button that lets you subscribe to our free newsletter, although we prefer you subscribe to a free newsletter and pay $4.99 a month for it, because... We are fundamentally capitalists at New Hampshire Journal. I'm Michael Graham. Thanks again for listening.